Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Beginning hour number two, Betting Across America. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay. And Wes, we have more points. Yes, more points, but we have ended the first quarter of action between Army and Navy. 10-7 Army right now. Wes, I think overbackers got to feel pretty good. Yeah, currently at BetMGM, it is 43 and a half, uh, minus seven and a half for Army, minus a dollar five. If you want to take the hook with Navy at seven and a half, that's what I got preflop. You got to pay 10 cents extra here at BetMGM at minus 120. First half total, 26 and a half. First half side, Army minus five and a half, minus a dollar 30. So uh, that gets us situated on the FBS football. But one thing I just wanted to kind of point out here, if you're betting this big college basketball card today, probably your biggest sweat of the day right now is up in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And this is Florida International against Eastern Michigan. Not exactly a high-profile game on today's card, but we are now in the fourth overtime up there in Ypsilanti. Eastern Michigan, 87-80. About two and a half minutes left to go. EMU, by the way, at BetMGM closed one and a half point favorites. And obviously, if you were an underbacker, yeah, you took a very tough beat here. Mm. But in four overtimes, you don't expect to go under. By the way, in regulation, this was like 55 to 55. Closing total was 142 and a half. Oh so you still would have been under the total had you been getting able to get through overtime. But once this reached four overtimes, now you have 87, 84. So tough beat for under backers, but uh, Florida International Eastern Michigan is the college basketball sweat of the early afternoon. Wes, let me ask you a, a philosophical question to that end, because again, if you took the, the under, you had the right side, and mm-hmm. then you get beat by four overtimes. In college football now, you know, you, if you're an overbacker, you prayed for OT to get a scenario like that, but they'd switch to the cockamamie two-point conversion scenario uh, after, what, the first two OTs. Do you think we'll ever see that change in college basketball as well? As well? So, Maybe those underbetters are protected a little bit better? Yeah, there's just, there's not really a lot you can do. It's just kind of variance, and it's always tough. I mean, you know, like I always say, Dave, on this network, they don't call it under time. They call it <laughs> overtime. Exactly. And that that's just, you know, you got to know that you had the right handicap, but sometimes you're going to lose bets that you should win and win bets that you should lose. There's never a zero-sum game necessarily in this racket that we're in. But one of the things I would like to see – uh, I implemented really. I would like to see college basketball go to quarters where they reset the fouls. So, because what happens is now these teams are in the bonus forever and you just get a parade to the foul line in these college basketball games and they can't get them done in a two hour window and they go two hours and 30 minutes or 245 or even three hour college basketball games. So, that's one rule change I would like to see implemented. That's very interesting and I think it actually does make a lot of sense. Let's get to college football. We talked about the big bowls, obviously, with the national semifinals. Let's get to some of the smaller bowls, if you will, and one I like to call the Robert Smith uh, Bowl. That is the Cure Bowl between Coastal Carolina laying the 10 against Northern. 
Illinois here with a high posted total around 62 and a half right here. What do you make of this side and or total? Yeah, Northern Illinois, obviously, uh, they were the first team in FBS history to not win a game. It was a shortened season, albeit due to COVID-19. They were 0-6 last year. They were picked to finish dead last in the uh, MAC West division. And, and wouldn't you know it, they not only won the division, they also upset Kent State up there in Ford Field in Detroit to win the MAC championship. So, you know, they've kind of been playing with a little bit of house money. Coastal Carolina still have their coach, Jamie Chadwell. Well, he's always rumored to be on the coaching carousel a little bit, uh, you know, and moving to a bigger job. Uh, Willie Korn also, who is a former Clemson quarterback, is the offensive coordinator at Coastal Carolina. Keep an eye on this coaching carousel for a lot of these games. We're already seeing it have effect on the lines and whatnot, not just head coach, but coordinators on the move. Willie Korn probably going to get a power five job at some point as an offensive coordinator, so he could be on the move. So that's why you haven't seen a lot of movement in this game. And also if Grayson McCall, who has been battling injury the Coastal Carolina quarterback is going to go. Keep that in mind. I have not yet done anything with this Cure Bowl. All right. Well, without further ado, Wes, we're going to go back and shift our focus to the NFL because we have the man who runs Washington, D.C. He is the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, of course, Super Bowl champion tight end, uh, does great work back in the D.C. area. He's got a great podcast, of course, at my old shop there at Fox 5, does the pregame show with my guy Tom Fitzgerald. Uh, DOC, it's great to have you on any week, but certainly on Dallas week. Before we break down the game here, your boys are on a four-game winning streak, and I know you really don't give a damn about the past, but when you look ahead to, to the way they are playing right now, is this as dangerous a Washington football team as you possibly thought you could see this season? Yeah, you framed it very well. Uh, it's about discipline and doing all the little things that they had failed to do successfully. And now it's starting to become a standard. And when you start creating habits that give you possession and give you success on third down, you're hard to beat. Yeah, 100% right, uh, Doc. And uh, just kind of looking at the injuries, though, for the Washington football team, uh, we know McKissick, who has been a nice backup to Gibson, uh, he's been battling injuries all year. Now we find out on the Dallas side, Tony Pollard was a late addition mm -hmm. to the injury report for the Cowboys. So uh, what do you make of uh, what we're going to see from the WFT tomorrow? A couple guys on defense battling some injuries. Jamin Davis and Landon Collins been very important for this all of a sudden very improved Washington defense? Well, I don't spend any time worrying about people that aren't going to play. I'm confident that the people that do play get a check. Everybody gets paid. And it's not like you're going to pull somebody off the street. They know what's going on, and they've been – got a next man up philosophy that has proven to be successful. The only people that are have affected by people who don't play – are people that are wagering on the game. That's it. That's us, DOC. That's, yes, that's exactly. what Wes and I are doing here <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> hey, Doc, I, I love, by the way, I know where you are out there in Loudoun County out there. Uh, it looks like out there in the greater Ashburn area. I do wonder, it's cold, it's December, it's D.C., it's Dallas week. What is the, the tone and tenor right now of the city? Because I know this game – Certainly to you, it always meant more. Does it still mean more in the nation's capital? 
Well, yeah, and I'm out of Gainesville. I'm out at mom's crib, and, and uh, it's been really mild. It's been a lot Ooh. colder, but it's football. And the Cowboys, even though they play indoors, um, they'll be up for it. Because in order to win this, all of us realize you might have to go through Lambeau. So you can't care about weather. I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, they had a tragedy there, but they were close. And you can't worry about weather. Weather's for fans. <laughs> Players, those guys, those chicks, I'd play in a blizzard. Yeah, I, for a UCLA guy, the, the cold never seemed to bother you, Doc. I, I, I have so many... Uh, highlights and memories in my oh, head of you dancing. Oh, no, no, Dave. It did. No, believe me. You just didn't know me then. <laughs> when I was younger, you have to get acclimated, I think is the right word for it. <laughs> Man, I hated turf. I hated cold. I mean, I played in God's country. So we have green grass and 70 with a slight wind coming out of the Northeast. So we were privileged. <laughs> well, I found out that's not how everybody plays. So and you know being in the Windy City, Chicago, Green Bay, and Buffalo have my utmost respect. Mm. Yeah, no question about it, Zach. Okay, uh, let's break this down a little bit because Wes and I were talking about it here, and we were looking at the odds, and right now the Washington football team, plus 700 to still win the NFC East. And you know this, Doc, nobody's repeated in the NFC since 2004. That's a ra- rather amazing stat. I see Ron Rivera. I see Jack Del Rio. They're throwing stuff against chalkboards after each win. It feels like they've got some mojo going here. Are they thinking in those terms, or is it literally Sunday to Sunday, next opponent, not big picture? I know that you had to ask that question for your audience, but you know already, you've already answered it. We're not good enough to look beyond the next opponent. And especially when that opponent is Dallas. Now you you well know as a as a Cowboy fan as you are, you're a diehard. That your coach has already predicted victory. This is in the bag. So we're the underdog, and as always, you're the favorite, and your coach has already predicted victory is a guarantee. So we're just carrying this out because we had nothing else to do. Uh, see Wes, you see how he does that? That's what the doc does. And then they end up dancing on stars in Texas Stadium and ruining my childhood. <laughs> this is what they do, Wes. They, they, try, they, they try to lull us to sleep here. And, Wes, to your point very quickly, do you think that if, if you believe in Washington, like I know the DOC does, that they're a money line play tomorrow, that they could potentially just win this game outright because Mike McCarthy's already put the bulls on his own team? They very well could be, and I want to go back to Doc. we got about 30 to 45 seconds left because it's really been the defense for Washington has been carrying them. They've only been allowing 17.4 points a game in the last five games. Doc, what are you seeing differently from this defense that we did not see early in the season? Uh, discipline. Uh, you know, you have to connect the dots. Like Dallas, you have, you have a great player, a kid as a rookie who's still in the league. He's doing what Dexter, what LT. There are certain guys that just take over games. That shows you how most people are overrated. Because if a young kid can come in out of position and do this, most other people have so much smoke blowing them behind, but they're just barely average. They're ordinary. Your kid in Dallas is special. So what our guys have had to do is play as a unit. All 11 guys linked together. Take away those big runs. And because Dallas is so talented in every position, 
They can take a short catch and go a long way. You've got to stop that. Doc, you are the best. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We cannot wait to have you back here on Visa to get out of the cold, my friend. Come out here and join Wes and I in Las Vegas. We'll break down everything going on in college football. Good one between Army and Navy. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the money is betting and the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. He is at Mandalay Bay. I am right here at Circus Sportsbook. It was great having Rick Doc Walker on with us and Mike Peranio, sportsbook manager over there at Mandalay Bay. Lance Moore is going to join us here, Wes, uh, at the bottom half of this hour. Of course, a Saints Hall of Famer and a former NFL champion, just like the DOC. And next hour, Tim Murray, the, uh, our own host right here of the Nightcap, will join us to talk all things college football. But let's keep the NFL conversation going here, and let's go to the AFC North here for our game of buy, sell, or hold. And this is another division that I think we Thought we knew what would be the smart money, and maybe it felt like Baltimore. Still the small favorite here, minus 150. But the Bengals were kind of the new kids on the block early. They've taken their lumps later here. The Browns were a chic pick at the beginning of the year. Baker Mayfield's been all banged up. And then we saw the heartbreak with the Steelers on Thursday night. And now after that loss to Minnesota, they dropped down to 20-1. to But it feels like nothing is a certainty with this division. So let's start at the top here, Wes, with the Ravens at minus 150. I mean, week to week, for a team you didn't think would struggle to score points offensively, it really has been a struggle here recently. Well, I'd be selling the Ravens here, and I'm actually on the Browns tomorrow, small on the money line. They have flipped it, the favorite. But when you look at the Ravens, you, you know, you kind of looked at that injury report that gets put out on Friday, the final practice p- report, whether you're full participation, limited participation, or you were sitting out and do the rest. The injury report on the surface didn't look that bad, but you uh, finally uh, you forget a little bit that they have 17 guys on IR already. So this Ravens team is beat up and and with the whole thing last week and I don't want to rehash that discussion necessarily but you know when John Harbaugh went for two at the end of the game uh, against the Steelers when they could have kicked the PAT and tied it and sent it to overtime he kind of explained look my secondary is all kind of beat up right now Marlon Humphrey now on the IR he is out for the season and I just think that that this Ravens team especially on defense is hurting we've seen Lamar Jackson kind of get in and out of rhythm uh, with a you know, being out for COVID or whatever illness uh, was designated on the injury report. And, you know, he's back. But the Ravens, I think all of a sudden that defense, which has not been very good, at least pretty much throughout the season, is now starting to pay the price with injuries. And meanwhile, Cleveland, who I know we talked to uh, Zach Jackson from The Athletic, who covers the Browns uh, two weeks ago on the Green Zone when they played on Sunday Night Football. And Baker Mayfield is nowhere near 100%. 
either. But I think maybe the bye week kind of helps Cleveland in this spot. So I would definitely be selling the Ravens. And then you look at that schedule, not an easy schedule. No, You do get Green Bay at home, but that's still Green Bay who's going to be in line perhaps for the number one seed in the NFC. You got to go to Cincinnati, who obviously has been competitive. You have the Rams coming in, and we'll see. The Rams could do a lot for their cause. If they go ahead and knock off Arizona, they can stay in that AFC West race. And then you get the Steelers. You don't have any easy games no. left on that schedule if you're the Baltimore Ravens. So they would be a sell candidate for me. I think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart handicap. And I, I look at that, too, and I say maybe the only game that we think for sure their favorite is the last one against Pittsburgh at home. And that won't be a big favorite. Maybe four or five points uh, tops right now as it stands today. We'll see if that switches. But I'm with you. That feels like a sell spot there for the Ravens is the favorite minus 150. If we're selling the Ravens. And the, the team that I want to support would feel like the Browns at mm-hmm. plus 500. But, Wes, Baker Mayfield, we talk about Lamar and his issues, whether it's COVID or non-COVID-related issues. Feels like he's on the injury report each and every week. Baker Mayfield, he's got the dinged, non, non-throwing wing. Uh, he just doesn't look like himself. I would trust this team more at plus 500 if Case Keenum was a quarterback. Not trying to disparage Baker, but just from a health standpoint. Do you trust the Browns enough health, uh, with, with their overall health? at plus 500 to be a viable option. Yeah, I would be with you too, Dave. And look, Cleveland right now, 6-6. Six and six. They've got to show something here down the stretch. But if you look at the six teams they've lost to, that those teams have a combined record of 48-24-1. and one. Mm. So they haven't been able to beat the elite teams because they really haven't been healthy throughout the season. But now look like they're getting at least a little bit healthier, healthy in a relative term in terms of uh, on the offensive side of the football. And then they obviously dealt with uh, OBJ and, mm-hmm. and and now being traded, and they kind of pretty much separated from him and were wanting him gone altogether. So that distraction for whatever OBJ can give you on the field is now gone, and that's now the Rams' issue to deal with uh, should that come up and arise. But the Browns would be the team I would be looking at here in the AFC North, but they got to start this Sunday against Baltimore, and this is always just kind of a team that leaves you a little bit wanting more that you feel should be better. I think Kevin Stefanski is a hell of a coach. But he's having to deal with all of these injuries. And look, against some of the lesser teams, against the Lions, they were kind of like life and death. They only won by three. Uh, Looking at the schedule, they do have two straight home games now. They get the Ravens and they get the Raiders. And we talked about the Raiders earlier. This could possibly be a team that's fading down the stretch. But then they got to go to Green Bay. They got to go to Pittsburgh. And then they have Cincinnati at home. So they do have three of the last five games at home. So I think the schedule at least is a little bit more favorable than some of their competitors competitors, but this is really go time for Cleveland, and, and and Baker, I think, is the ultimate question. I think they can run the ball. I think they can rush the passer, and they can play pretty solid defense, but can Baker Mayfield not turn it over, and can he make plays, and he just has not seemed right to me all season, so I don't know if they've reached the point where they could go to, like, Case Keenum and say, okay, maybe with Baker's health, we've got to, even though he's not listed on the injury report, we know he's not 100%, maybe we got to shut him down a little bit. I don't think that they've reached that point yet, if they lose tomorrow, they have reached the point of no return. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Case Keenan was 13-3 and with the Vikings and led that team to a deep playoff run. So, to me, again, not trying to disparage Baker, but it just feels like he's, he's, a, he's a, a guy that's playing hurt clearly. And I think it's hurting that football team. I'd like them better at plus 500 if he was, A, 100% healthy, or, B, they just made the switch to Case Keenum going forward. Let's flip the script to the NFC West. And right now the Cardinals 
are the overwhelming favorite uh, to hold on and win this division at minus fourteen hundred. Of course, they've got the showdown with the Rams on Monday night, where they're small favorites, which is very interesting to me at only uh, two and a half. And to that end, here with, with that small under field goal number right now, the Rams at plus seven fifty. Now again, it would all come down to Monday night. Because if the Rams mm-hmm. don't win that football game, there's no value of plus seven. Then the division's a wrap, absolutely. Yeah, right? So it, you really kind of have to put that calculus in that, all right, can the Rams win on Monday night? And if so, then, Wes, do they become a live dog to you at plus 750? Yeah, I think absolutely. And, look, you would have to obviously get it now before that game would be played on Monday night because it will drop. But, obviously, this is, uh, you know, with the Rams, it's kind of like win or go home, not go home from the playoffs because mm-hmm. I still think they're going to be one of the playoff teams in the NFC. But for the all intents and purposes with the NFC West, you already have the Rams who have lost a game to San Francisco. San Francisco kind of owns the Rams like the Seattle Seahawks own San Francisco, right. as we saw once again last Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, this is the put-up-or-shut-up game. This is contender or pretender for the Rams, I think, at Arizona. And I do like them. I took them at three earlier in the week. It's now two and a half. You could still buy to three if you want to get on that key number. But, obviously, the sooner you do it, the less big you're going to pay. Because on Sunday, if you want to get that key number onto a three or onto a seven, books are going to charge you minus $1.25, minus $1.30, minus $1.35, minus $1.40. So, you know, the closer you get to game time, the more you get got to pay to get to that key number so just something to keep in mind for Monday night but you know the Rams I, I'm not gonna buy because I already have enough tickets invested on the Rams because <laughs> I have them 14 to 1 for the Super Bowl I have them to win the NFC but no time like the present to really show that you can be able to have give your betters faith that they can cash those tickets but I do like them in the spot. I mean, Arizona, I think, is the rifle favorite. uh, But the one concern I have on the Arizona side is stopping the run. Only the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we saw on Thursday night against Minnesota, and we saw how well they did against the run, only the Steelers have a worse yards per carry average on defense than do the Arizona Cardinals at 4.7. So I'm eager to see if last week was an aberration for the Rams because Sony Michelle was the first 100-yard rusher for the Rams. We know Akers has been out since before the season, mm-hmm. and they've tried Daryl Henderson. He's been hurt, so now it's like Sony Michelle's kind of got to carry the heavy load in the running game. But they did find something maybe against Jacksonville. So I think that the Rams are going to be able to run the ball against Arizona on Monday night. And it seems like Sean McVay's trying to flip that narrative of his team being soft, run Sony Michelle between the tackles, and start to play a more aggressive offensive football very quickly here. Niners, 100-1. to I would have liked that value a week before they lost to Seattle. Dead in the water here with Kyle Shanahan's a bunch. I'd ra- I'd rather say see what they were to make the playoffs because I still think that they could do that. But look, if any team has battled injuries over the last two years, it's the 49ers. Yeah, no question about it. I still like that football team to your point, but there's clearly a long shot value, pizza money, as you would say, at best, probably a better option to look to see the number you can get to still make the postseason. All right, when we come back, Lance Moore is going to join us uh, here on VEASAN. Of course, the former Super Bowl champion with the Saints. He's now a Saints Hall of Famer. Come on back. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This 
This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Bowl Betting Guide will be released on Monday with everything you need to bet smarter in every single bowl game. This year's guide provides matchup analysis on every bowl game, including insights, trends, data, and predictions to help you make your very best bets. The guide is designed to give you an edge whether you're betting on every game, playing contests, or just want to find a few key high value props. The guide drops on Monday, so make sure to get your copy today for only $19.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. I am Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay. This is Betting Across America. And Wes, I feel like when I work with you, I work with, with, a, with a Super Bowl champion every, every day. We've already had one Super Bowl champ on in Rick Doc Walker. <laughs> and now we get a second Super Bowl champ in Lance Moore joining us now. Follow him on Twitter at LanceMoore16. Of course, in the Saints Hall of Fame. And that number 16, Lance, Sticks out to me. Hey, before we go any any further with the NFL and talking about the Saints, why 16? Was it was it a, a sentimental, personal reason for you? Because that number definitely st- stood out. You know, people always ask me that, and it couldn't be anything further from what actually happened. Uh, I wore number one in high school, uh, number one in college. When I got to the NFL, I signed as an undrafted free agent to the Browns. They Gave me number 11. We couldn't wear single digits back then, so number 11 was, in my mind, the perfect number to wear. Uh, fast forward, I get, get cut from the Browns, get picked up by the Saints on the practice squad, and the first day of practice, I walk in, and there's a number 16 in my locker, and I was thinking, I don't even care what number they give me at this point. I'm going to wear whatever number it is, and I'm going to do everything I can on this field to make sure that I stay in this 16 jersey. Uh, so, no, they, there was no sentimental... Uh, value in that number, but it 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 stuck, and um, I would say uh, at least around that time there wasn't too many receivers wearing 16, um, and now it you know it, it has significant uh, meaning to me now uh, after it not really meaning anything when I first got it. You made it work, that's for sure, Lance. It, it absolutely uh, has worked for you and worked out quite like quite well for you and the Saints as you won a Super Bowl and in, in that of course Saints Hall of Fame. Let's talk about the Saints this year, and obviously Sean Payton uh, without Drew Brees with retirement, then the Jameis Winston injury. He had to go to Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. He's been banged up all year long here. Uh, and obviously right now the Saints at plus 400 to win the NFC South. Feels like a long shot, obviously, with the Buccaneers, the overwhelming favorite there. How do you look at the Saints team and what Sean Payton, I know that they're on this five-game losing skid, and that's not something you see from a Sean Payton-led team. What do you make uh, of the state of the Saints, if you will? Well, I think going into the season, everybody kind of knew, even though they didn't really want to talk about it, everybody, all of us, former players and Saints fans, knew that this was going to be an interesting year. Um, you know, and it obviously started with the retirement of Drew Brees. I mean, that, that in itself is going to give you reason to pause as far as what the, I would say, the ceiling would be for, for that football team. But then if you throw in all of the other things that the Saints had to deal with this season. Um, you know, injuries, obviously the Michael Thomas injury is significant. A guy who, you know, is one of the best in the game. We haven't seen him at all this entire year. Um, COVID, displacement, hurricane. I mean, you name it. Jameis going out. I mean, this team has had to deal with, I would say, probably more than any other team this, this entire season. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, that five-game losing streak is just, it, it, it has, has not happened, right? So we haven't seen it. Um, but with all that being said, this team, as you said, they're plus five, plus four hundred to win the NFC South. We can go ahead and wrap that up. They're not, they're not winning the South. <laughs> um, but, but there is an opportunity for them 
to sneak in as a wild card. And, and for me, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, to, to have gone through all that they've gone through and still sit in that spot um, is, is really a credit to not just Sean Payton and, and all the coaches, but to, to the players, you know, buying in and continuing to work each and every day, regardless of who's been able to be out there any given Sunday. Um, you know, it, it obviously was going to be a year full of change, and, um, you know, I think they've kind of made the most of it at this point. Um, you can't really look back at, at any of the games and say, well, what if uh, we did this or what if we beat this team? I think it's just a, a, a situation where you look at each uh, game or each week as, as a one-game season, and, and then you worry about the next ones after that. And I think they've got a good opportunity uh, up in New York this weekend against the Jets. Lance, you played for Coach Payton down there in New Orleans, and obviously what we've seen over the last several years, and he's one of the top-end coaches in the National Football League, but he has been bound and determined to try to make Taysom Hill, I think, work as an NFL starting quarterback, kind of getting his feet wet with some, you know, run-heavy packages and whatnot. It seems like he wants Taysom Hill to be the guy down there in New Orleans, but based on what we've seen, is that at all feasible? Uh, well, I mean, I, I like to think that Sean Payton knows what he's doing, right? So I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, you know what, I'm smarter than him. I don't think Payton Hill, you know, can ever be the guy. Uh, obviously, Sean has been around the game for a long time, and, and Taysom does some things that are nightmares for defensive coordinators, specifically talking about what he can do with his legs. Um, and, and I think he's proven at times that he's a capable passer. I just don't know that he's a consistent enough passer to be somebody that you can go to week in and week out um, because teams are smart and, and they're going to figure out, okay, this guy's not going to be able to throw the ball consistently enough. Let's load the box. Let's take away those QB runs from him and then make him one dimensional, make him a guy that's going to have to throw the football to win. And I just have not seen it consistently enough from him to really be a believer in Taysom. Uh, I think he's a hell of a football player. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think he's a, a great football player. I just don't believe that he's a great long-term answer as your quarterback. Talking to Lance Moore, of course, won a Super Bowl with the Saints uh, and, of course, is in the Saints Hall of Fame. And, Lance, I looked this week with the Saints laying five and a half against the Jets, and I know Robert Sala, first year there in New York, he's got some growing pains of his own with a rookie quarterback there. But, boy, it's hard for me financially to to back the Saints and lay that number. Do you expect to see the Saints this week in the Meadowlands look like the Saints that we might have thought and end this this long losing skid? Well, I mean, five and a half does sound like a lot of points, and there's not a whole lot of of things in the la- that I've seen in the last five weeks from this team that would lead me to believe that they're going to go in to New York and smoke the Jets. I mean, the Jets are not a good football team by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's not going to be easy. I think Alvin Kamara being back this week is a huge, huge deal. If the Saints can get back to running the football, being physical up front, and, and the defense not allowing the Jets to really get anything going offensively, I do think it's, it's possible that they can they can win by at least five and a half in this game. But, again, I, 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 I've kind of been all over the place with my uh, emotion with this team because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, we've been in a lot of – uh, uh, close games or, or even the games that we've lost by, you know, two or more scores. It's like, well, if, if one or two plays goes a different way, this, this game could be looking completely different. So uh, it, it, it's a tough one. I think it's possible. I, I, I think I'd be leaning um, 
to, to them covering that um, because I do think that they're going to bounce back this weekend. I think this is like the perfect opportunity to them for them, especially going to Tampa Bay and playing the Bucks next Sunday night. I mean, I think this is a great opportunity for them. I think they should get it done. So, Lance, uh, as you kind of take like a, uh, get a a look around the league, kind of more in a macro sense, if you were to pick the two teams that were going to be in the Super Bowl right now, realizing that we're just starting week 14 this weekend, who would be your matchup at this standpoint? Well, I think the NFC, as much as has been talked about with Tampa Bay potentially repeating and um, all of the talk that's been with the Rams and their, you know, their so-called super team, uh, what, what Aaron Rodgers has been able to do again this year with Green Bay, nobody's even really talking about the number one, the current number one seed, and that's the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I, I think that they have proven this season that they are the best in the group, at least today. Um, and it would be really hard for me to not think that they have the ability to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I just I think they've got everything that they need um, as far as a team being able to, you know, have what it takes to, to get to the Super Bowl. The one concern, I guess, is, is the inconsistencies in the running game. But if you throw a healthy Kyler Murray out there, I mean, he's the guy that can get you 50 to 100 or more yards on the ground himself just on breakdowns. I mean, that, that is a huge part of a team's running game if you've got a dual-threat guy back there. So um, I, I definitely need to would, – I would be leaning toward Arizona. I, I think it's the NFC Championship game is going to be Arizona against Tampa Bay because um, I think that Tampa Bay will beat Green Bay. Um, and then as far as the AFC goes, it's kind of hard for me to, to, to um, pick against Bill Belichick. Um, but I do think at some point – Mac Jones could potentially hit a wall um, and, and maybe not even be totally his fault, but I, I, just, I just don't know that I am going to trust a rookie quarterback um, to, to be a guy that's going to go and take his team to the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I do think that they'll do well. I do think that they could potentially finish as the number one seed in the AFC, um, but I just, I just don't know that I'm really ready. So I, I'm going to say Kansas City. I, I think that they're playing – their best football to date now. Their defense has been crazy over the last <laughs> month, at least, um, as far as shutting teams down. And, you know, they've been to the last two Super Bowls. So uh, they, they've been there before. They've done it before. And, and I think they're going to do it again. Lance Moore, got to thank you for your time. Again, follow him on Twitter, at LanceMoore16. Come on back. It's at halftime of Army-Navy. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books. Right now, new customers have a chance to win 200 bucks in free bets when they place a $10 wager on Dustin the Diamond Poirier to win his fight tonight. Just use the bonus code VSIN200 when you make your very first bet. Get ready to start turning knockouts into payouts. Plus, you'll get access to BetMGM's live betting options, daily promotions, and much, much more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets if Poirier wins. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. 
Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Dave Ross, Wes Reynolds. This is Betting Across America right here on VEASAN. And Wes, we've gone to halftime between Army and Navy. Army got a late field goal to take a 13-7 lead. Good news if you had the first half over. Bad news if you had first half Navy. Yeah, and uh, 13-7, as you mentioned, Army does get a last-second field goal there in the first half. So uh, Army does cover that first half, but if you look at the in-play line at BetMGM, currently minus 8.5 for the uh, Black Knights, so basically that makes them a two-point-and-a-half point favorite for the second half. Total kind of right in the range of where we started, 35-and-a-half. Recall that that did get as high. I think it's like 42-and-a-half or 43 is what we saw. Just kind of looking at the stats here. Army's had the football for about five more minutes, so they obviously are going to have more yards, 175 to 130. But Navy has been, you know, moving the ball. They did get that touchdown but only scored on one drive. So looking at where we're starting, Army did get the ball first and scored a touchdown on the opening drive. So the midshipmen will get the ball in the second half, so something to keep in mind. I'm not doing anything, actually, for the halftime. I'm just going to stay with my uh, seven-and-a-half pre-flop on the Naval Academy, but really kind of the story of the game, Christian Anderson, the Army quarterback, 5-7 passing for 92 yards, so they have been able to find plays down the field, at least for that. Did want to update that college basketball game we talked about that went to four overtimes yeah. earlier. Did not go well if you had the dog, the FIU Golden Panthers, as Eastern Michigan goes ahead and covers the one-point spread, wins by four in four overtimes. So uh, that gets you updated on that. Currently in the second half of the MLS Cup up in Portland, New York City FC leading one to nothing over the Portland Timbers. Uh, got a text from a good buddy of mine that lives in Portland and at the game said, they are absolutely miserable and the game sucks. So not really much to update you on from that standpoint. Uh, and also... Uh, uh, a rivalry battle, not much of a rivalry based on what the score is today, but Kansas currently up 73-41 to 41 on Missouri. That Whoa. was an old-school Big 8 rivalry, and it used to be a heck of a lot more competitive, but Bill Self uh, putting it on Conzo Martin and the Tigers this afternoon. Yeah, I don't know. Did they call it the war? Is that what they used to call that? Or? It was something like that because Missouri and Illinois is the bragging rights right. game that they play in St. Louis. But, yeah, this is an old-school rivalry. I remember it very well in the 80s and 90s when Norm Stewart was the coach of oh, Missouri. Yeah. At Kansas, you had Larry Brown, and then, of course, you had Roy Williams after that. But this is all uh, all Rock Chalk Jayhawk this afternoon. Yeah, they're putting a number on Missouri right now in that border war. All right, let's talk some NFL here. And, again, we had Lance Moore on. Uh, it was great having the, the former uh, Super Bowl champion from the Saints join us. And he picked Arizona to get out of the NFC and represent uh, of that conference in the Super Bowl. They've got a big one on Monday night uh, against the Rams. And again, what kind of has gotten my attention a, a little bit on this is the number staying under three here on Monday night football. Now, the first time these two teams matched up in L.A., it was a good old-fashioned punch in the face from the road team, and the Rams just had no response in a blowout win for Arizona. And that's why my antenna is up a little bit here, that the number is only two and a half. Should I be weary if I'm backing Arizona that it feels too good to be true? I don't know if I should say you should be leery, even though I am on the Rams' side at plus three, and they're who I think is going to win the football game. Look, uh, 
you know, you got to give respect to Arizona in terms of what they have done. And, and Lance Moore, I think, is somewhat right, even though it would sound like, wait a minute, everybody's talking about them. They got the best record in all of the uh, NFL right now. But you don't feel like anybody's really, you know, really talking about them because Arizona, I think, is such a non-proven commodity. Look, to start the year, Cliff Kingsbury was absolutely on the hot seat this year. And uh, now finally uh, – Going 10-2 uh, and two to start the season. They did get a nice win in Chicago. Really didn't have to do much, though, in that win. And maybe that's a little bit of a reason why you're seeing some money on the Rams. Because Arizona, if you just look at the final score, it was like, well, they went up there to Chicago off the bye week. And Kyler Murray wasn't rusty at all in his first game back with DeAndre Hopkins. And they just, you know, kicked the hell out of the Bears. But in a lot of ways, the Bears beat themselves. Now, you got to credit Arizona. One man gathers what another man spills. <laughs> as uh, Jerry Garcia once sang, and they absolutely did because the Bears turned it over four times. It was four Andy Dalton interceptions, but they were all also in the own in their own territory. Arizona had short scoring drives. I think they got 24 points combined off those four turnovers, three touchdowns and a field goal. And if you really look, Arizona – they didn't really drive the length of the field. I'm trying to, to see what the mm-hmm. exact number of yards was. It was, I believe, 257. That's what they had. So Arizona actually got out-yarded in, in terms of the yards and whatnot, but just took advantage of, of Andy Dalton and Chicago's mistakes. So, you know, here we go with the Rams, and Arizona did a number on them in Week 4. Remember the Rams, actually, in that Week 3 game against Tampa Bay? They beat Tampa Bay at home, the defending Super Bowl champion. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, here we go. This is what we expected out of the Rams. And then the very following week against Arizona, who looked like they were a slightly improved team. I don't think a lot of people thought of them as a Super Bowl contender to start the season. They go in there and do a number on the Rams, right. and you didn't and you didn't really expect that. Came out of nowhere a little bit. But uh, I, I think the Rams, I got to think Sean McVay and his guys are going to be more ready this time around. I did mention – I don't know if it's a one-week aberration, but have they found a running game finally? Sony Michelle, 121 yards. That was the first 100-yard rusher for the Rams all season long. Arizona, we know, gives up 4.7 on the ground. So I would expect that Sean McVay is going to be a little bit more run-heavy here. And then not only using Michelle in the running game, but possibly like Van Jefferson. I know they like to use Robert Woods mm-hmm. mainly on those end of rounds. But Robert Woods, of course, out for the season. Sean McVay, if you look at his career, his short career in Los Angeles, 10 and five straight up and against the spread on the road in division games. Meanwhile, Cliff Kingsbury just four and eight against the number as a home favorite during his tenure in Arizona. So a lot on the line for the Rams here, and I did take the three. Uh, let's stay in the NFC West and go with the Niners as they go uh, into the AFC and take on Cincinnati in the jungle against the Bengals. And it's interesting to me because, again, Joe Burrow, we know he's got that hand injury, right? We've seen this number dance around there around one, one and a half all week right now, currently one and a half here at BetMGM. Wes, very simply, is the wrong team favored in this one? I don't think so, and I think you kind of seen the market correct itself with San Francisco as the small favorite. I know that they had a bad game last week against Seattle, but, you know, we kind of talk about how the 49ers tend to own Sean McVay and the Rams. Well, the Seahawks really own the 49ers, and, and, and I was on Seattle last week, and, and look, they're very much probably out of the playoff race. Certainly at 4-8, and eight, they'd have to run the table to even have any consideration or any hope, but... 
you look at what happened. Seattle just kind of had that rally type of effort. You know, their last stand, it's like, okay, we're going to get up for a division rival, and we're going to get up for these guys. But watching that game last week, I felt that San Francisco was the better team. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe he averaged about 15 yards per completion, 10 yards per attempt. Really, the 49ers, I think, kind of beat themselves last week. They had, of course, the opening uh, fake punt that mm-hmm. Seattle ran 73 yards for a touchdown. Travis Homer down the field untouched. The 49ers fumbled the opening second half kickoff. Couple roughing the passer penalties to keep the touchdown drive alive late in the first half. And then that defenseless receiver penalty where, you know, it was kind of looked like head on head, but, you know, kind of like, what is he supposed to do? How are you supposed to play right. defense? That was a key third down late for Seattle that kept that drive alive. And San Francisco really has still had a chance to win the game, but just couldn't get it done down the stretch. Cincinnati, I think they may get those two starters back on the offensive line, Hopkins and Reef, that they were down last week. But Joe Burrow dealing with that pinky injury, I mean, that thing is probably swollen up mm-hmm. over a week's time. Bengals also down three defensive starters, more than likely two linebackers in the corner, a woozy tomorrow. So I do like San Francisco in the bounce back spot here. I think they've been better on the road than they've been at home, certainly this season. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, again, they're 100 to 1 to still get back and win the NFC West, but better value there to maybe make a late playoff push for Kyle Shanahan and company. Right now, the Bengals plus 240 to come back and win their division right now. Uh, still some value there if you think Joe Burrow and that finger are going to be okay tomorrow. Okay, when we come back, getting ready to start that second half between Army and Navy. Plus, Let's do some award hunting in the NFL and see who we might like value-wise for MVP and Rookie of the Year. Come on back. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 